Now, over these last over these last weeks, we have been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> and you know the Sermon on the Mount is actually Jesus as the King sitting down before his subjects and kind of explaining to them what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Because it's so different than the kingdom of man or the kingdoms of the earth. And it's an explanation of the character, the principles of the kingdom, just all that it entails being a part of the kingdom of heaven and going by those virtues and those principles. They're way different than the kingdoms of the earth, which are man-ruled kingdoms. And they're also different than what the people who were listening to him have been experiencing because the Jewish religious leaders have turned the kingdom of God there in, in Israel. They've turned that into just another kingdom of man because they were very corrupt and self-centered and, and just praise-seeking for themselves. But this morning, Jesus is going to teach us about an extremely important subject wherein, if we don't get it right, it can destroy individuals, marriages, families, churches, and affect all of society in a negative way. And if we get it right, as God's children, we can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We can be to the world a glimpse of that future coming kingdom of God when everything will be right. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 27 through 30 this morning. <clears throat> and we're going to be, we'll start with the first two verses, 27 and 28. And Jesus again starts with how he goes from what they've been taught to how he now is going to teach them. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And of course that's true. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. <clears throat> so what is Jesus saying there? Well, first of all, he's saying that someone can be guilty of adultery without engaging in the physical act. We can commit adultery in God's eyes in our hearts by lusting after another person, after a woman. Jesus is talking about looking at a woman with sexual desires in our hearts. I suppose it could go the other way, but I'm sure it's much more uh, common from man to woman. And when we do that, we actually turn that woman into an object, don't we? We don't treat her as the person that she should be treated as, a respectful person. We treat her as an object of our desires. But, you know, it gets even worse than that, because in the Old Testament law of Moses, Adultery was punishable by death. If a man and woman were found to be adulterers, 
they were to be stoned to death. So now with all that, Jesus is saying that adultery can take place even outside of the actual physical act. And you know, we've seen on the Sermon on the Mount, even last week, that Jesus goes through the externals, past the externals, into the intentions and desires of the heart. He goes to who we are inside. He said last week we can commit murder in our hearts, and now he's saying we can commit adultery in our hearts. So there Jesus goes past the outward into the heart. Now when Jesus moves into the matters of the heart, or when he cuts through the externals to the thoughts and intentions of the heart, he is really speaking against a backdrop in their culture of the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, as we said before. Because they were famous for doing things on the outward and not having the same heart attitude. They were famous for their, their elaborate public prayers, just stopping on corners and just praying so that everybody could see them. They were famous for tithing down to the smallest herb, but yet not taking care of their parents, their parents who were old and needed money. They were famous for their meticulous hand washings and cup washings, turning, you know, things of the heart into exact formulas so they could keep track of everybody else and claim to be righteous just by the amount that they did. But you know, at the same time that they were looking so holy on the outside, and the inside, we know just from reading through the Gospels, that they were practicing and harboring hatred and arrogance and greed and selfishness, power-grabbing, and so Jesus teaches these people listening to him what true godliness is, that true godliness actually comes from a clean heart, from pure motives. True godliness actually comes from a love for God in our hearts. And so according to the te teachings of Jesus, as we're looking at this passage, <clears throat> you know, I might be seen as a nice law-abiding citizen on the outside, while on the inside, I could be thinking like a murderer and an adulterer. You know, we've all heard the stories of the clean-cut, well-groomed teacher or governor or minister who we come to find out after years that they've been leading a double life. So now Jesus is telling these people that it is true that God commands his people not to commit adultery. That's wrong. That's out of bounds. But then he also says that adultery can also come from the heart if we're looking lustfully at a woman. And now, <clears throat> let's look at the last two verses to see how he says we should handle this. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, 
cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, don't anybody take any action yet. We're going to look into this passage. Sounds very extreme, doesn't it? I want to state this another way just to kind of like <clears throat> give it another way to say it. The way to avoid having your whole body thrown into hell, the place of eternal punishment, is by removing any part of your body that would cause you to sin. <clears throat> Sometimes the Bible uses the word stumble, but it means to fall into sin. So, in this case, we're talking about falling into adultery. So whatever leads us to fall into adultery, the eye, the hand, whatever, the Bible says, gouge it out or cut it off. Why? Because it's better to lose one part of your body than to have your whole body cast into hell forever. Pretty strong language, isn't it? <clears throat> Now, the thing I think we can say about this is that with that strong, strong language, Jesus is saying that this is a very, very important issue. Because he tells us to take such drastic measures. And it isn't something we can just brush aside. You know, boys will be boys or whatever. When Jesus says, cut off the hand and gouge out the eye, He's basically saying, do whatever it takes to stop you from falling into this sin. Now, <clears throat> is he literally, or saying literally, to gouge out your eye or cut off your hand? He really isn't. It's called using hyperbole in order to make a very strong point. And Jesus does that in other ways, too, throughout the, the Gospels. He's using extreme language to emphasize how crucial the matter is. And what he is saying is, get serious and do something about this. Whatever it takes, do whatever it takes to, to not fall into this sin. And of course, people have said before, <clears throat> even if you gouge out an eye, it do, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to lust after a woman. So Jesus is using this to show us how important it is, how, how disastrous it can be if we fall into this sin, and how much we should work not to fall into this sin. Now, what about our bodies being thrown into hell? Well, what he is saying is that this sin of adultery, whether with the body or in the heart, is a sin punishable by death, by eternity in hell. And I'm going to say a little bit more of that, about that in a few minutes because we have to ask, well, aren't our sins forgiven? But I'll, I'll talk about that in a few minutes. He's, I just am pointing out now how serious of a sin that he takes this. So the message again is the way to avoid having your whole body thrown into hell for the sin of adultery is to remove anything that's going to cause you to fall into this sin. Do whatever it takes. Take whatever's me whatever measures necessary to not fall into the sin of adultery.
So what does this mean for us in our day? <clears throat> well, it means we have to get very serious and be able to take even tough measures to keep us from falling into adultery or sin or adultery of the heart even. And of course, the problem for us in our culture is that our popular culture strongly encourages us to just fully immerse ourselves into this kind of a sin. Our popular culture, <clears throat> you know, as a nation, we begin with a lot of morality and a lot of things based on the Bible even and laws set up by those who were followers of Christ. It wasn't perfect, but it had a lot of righteousness in it. It had a lot of decency in it and laws against indecency. But now our popular culture has moved so far away from that. And it affects different areas of our culture. But in this one area, this sexual integrity area, it can cause so much harm, what, what our popular culture is doing. So I want to begin with a very strong warning in this whole matter. It's, it's part of this matter. Uh, Every marriage is a sacred bond. <clears throat> every marriage, no matter how bad it is, no matter how good it is, every marriage, the marriage bond is sacred. And I'm talking about God's design for marriage. And we must make absolutely certain, as followers of Christ, that we are never the cause for hurting or disrupting someone else's marriage. We must always be careful of the way we act or the things we say to someone else's husband or wife, or just anybody. <clears throat> and the reason I'm promoting such strictness in our relationships is because we know that things can start out very innocently between two people at work or at school or any, anywhere, and just inch slowly toward a very dangerous and disastrous outcome, just little step by little step. One former pastor in Oklahoma, he was very, very well-liked and very gifted. You know, he was, he, he was, he was the one that would attract people to the church, and they loved his messages, his church was doing great things, and he had his heart in starting orphanages, and I know he started one, and he was working on others, I think, but it was in a poverty-stricken nation, and he ended up, I'm going to skip a lot of the details, but he ended up working closely in this orphanage ministry with this lady in his church. And both of them had great intentions. They were doing great work for the Lord, improving and helping these orphanage, these orphans. But they ended up taking overseas trips together for the work. And eventually, it happened. They fell into adultery. They had to leave the ministry. You know, it hurt both families. And it was just a slow step by slow step. When Jesus says, cut off your hand and gouge out your eye, 
he is saying, take every precaution. And I'm not saying we can't talk to someone or not be friendly to someone in, in any way, but just always have that thought of carefulness, realizing that what starts out innocently can slowly just move toward something that isn't, becomes not innocent. <clears throat> then when talking about committing adultery in the heart, our culture almost shoves us into that, doesn't it? I mean, the styles of clothing that are very suggestive, the movies, the books, the internet sites, anywhere you go, you know, you could, it could confront you. University campus, in the mall, county fairs, wherever you go, it's there. So we have to be on guard. We have to guard our hearts, don't we? We have to be protecting ourselves and others. We have to choose which things we can do and which things we need to avoid. You know, Jesus says, cut off your hand and gouge out your eye. That's an individual thing. We have to choose what things I can do for myself that, it, that is safe and things that aren't safe. And every person has to choose what they can do for themselves, whether it's safe or unsafe for them. I know mothers will speak to their daughters about appropriate clothing. <clears throat> and they need to. They have to explain how men and women see things differently. And I know daughters can ask, does this look cute? And fathers will say, too cute. Because to a, to a young girl, it's just cute. To the young boy, it's more than cute. And then there is the very, very damaging threat of pornography. Pornography destroys lives. And it very often so often creates an addiction that just will destroy a person's soul. And it ruins individuals, marriages, families. It affects societies. That one, that one aspect, pornography, can just take the person, other people, and the whole society down a whole different pathway. It's one of Satan's most powerful weapons. And it takes what God has designed and created for good and he uses it to destroy people. Flee from pornography. If you are young, don't ever let anyone else bring you into pornography through any, any medium, any magazine, any screen, anything. If they say, hey, come look at this, don't do it. And you know, something I learned just a few years ago, and many of you know this, is that when someone clicks on a pornographic website, those hits to that website <coughs> through a series of events or through a series of hits end up funding child trafficking. Just a hit on a normal pornographic website, not, not one of those horrible ones, well, they're all bad, 
but just to hit on just what they would call the less, less devious ones, will end up eventually funding child trafficking, where they take young girls, even young boys, and put them in slavery, sexual slavery. There's a 2016 study found that between 8,900 and 10,500 children ages 13 through 17 are commercially exploited each year in the U.S. Over 10,000. Human trafficking is the fastest growing organized crime activity in the United States, making almost $32 billion a year for traffickers while destroying the lives of tens of thousands of innocent children. And we don't want to be a part of that, do we? But you know there's some good news. This is what we can be praying about. I was just reading this. It said, President Trump, the U.S. Department of Justice, a group of legislators in the U.S. House and Senate, alongside federal, state, and local law enforcement are working with a vast network of anti-trafficking nonprofit organizations to combat sex trafficking primarily by attacking the supply side. And of course, the demand side are when we click on a pornographic site. <clears throat> but what can somebody do if they're already trapped into porn addiction? And you know the numbers are staggering. Well, there is help. Uh, there's different organizations out there that try to help people that are trapped into pornography. And they're good organizations. I know one that I listen to a lot on the radio. They, they take care of a lot of personal problems, but pornography is one of them. And they've helped thousands and thousands of people. And this, they, have <clears throat> they have lots and lots of materials and books. But these are two main ones that they have. Every man's battle and every woman's battle. And it's from New Life Ministries. And they have professional uh, people there. They have a call-in show. And when people call in, they call in about all different kinds of problems. But almost every single show has somebody calling in about porn addiction. And sometimes it's the man who's just been torn apart by porn addiction. And they're asking for help. And sometimes it's the woman who's been betrayed to porn addiction. And they try to help her. And they try to tell her what he has to do in order, you know, for her to take him back in the home. These counselors are all committed Christians who hold doctorates in their areas of expertise. And like I said, this sexual integrity problem comes up as they ask all these questions for an hour, all these different people calling in. This one comes up almost every single, t every single day. It's so pervasive. Many are calling in on the brink of divorce or the spouse has already moved out. And these professional 
this professional counseling ministry gives people hope because they give people a plan how to get out and then how to stay out. It takes a lot of work, but they have a plan. Now, <clears throat> the most difficult thing in the, in the world often is for someone to take that first step of seeking help. But taking that first step is taking Jesus' advice of gouging out the eye or cutting off the hand. Someone's willingness to take strong measures in order to become whole, in order to gain freedom. So anyone dealing with this issue is dealing with one of the most common problems in our progressive society. And as though some people will call it freedom, it really is just bondage. And taking that first step can lead to a life of true freedom. Now, <clears throat> I want to end by addressing that matter of, what about Christians? Is this the unpardonable sin? Because he talks about our bodies being thrown into hell. But <clears throat> Jesus was talking, of course, before he went on the cross and paid for all the sins. So let's put it into our context now, after the death of Christ and his resurrection. Let's put it into what does it mean for followers of Christ who have received forgiveness of sins. Well, we who have repented of our sins and have come to Christ for forgiveness, can this sin of adultery cast us into hell? Here's the deal. Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins, even the sin of adultery. All who truly place their faith in Christ, trusting in his death to pay for our sins, coming to him for forgiveness, believing that he can forgive, all who come to him in true faith, asking for forgiveness, are forgiven for all of our sins. Christ's death was enough to pay for all of our sins. That's the grace part. It's Christ offering this free gift of forgiveness to us if we come to him in faith. The grace of forgiveness reaches us through faith. Faith is the avenue. Christ did the work. It's all by grace. It comes to us through our faith. For by grace you are saved through faith. So, ask yourself this, did you come to Christ in repentance for the forgiveness of your sins? Did you come to him in faith, believing that he died to set you free? And you may be having trouble, but are you now believing that his death was sufficient to pay for your sins? If you are, if you're truly following him, and you may have trouble in this area or some other area, then you are a saved child of God. You are a redeemed child saved out of the slave market of sin because Christ made that payment. And that connection to that salvation is through faith. <clears throat> and as believers, we certainly can struggle with sin in this life. And that sin can even wreak havoc in our lives as believers. And it can even damage families and marriages 
and put us in earthly bondage and kick pastors out of the ministry and even bring ill repute to the Christian faith. But Christ's sacrifice is still sufficient. We just have to make certain that our faith in Him is authentic. Do we have true faith in Christ? Because we may be going along. Where is Christ in this person's life? So we can take great comfort in our amazing salvation even when we struggle. But as followers of Christ, we don't want to get near this, do we? And if we are, we need to go seek help. So let's be on guard to stay away from adultery. Let's never, ever, ever mess up someone else's marriage bond. Let's never put our own families through the horrors of infidelity or unfaithfulness. Let's always seek help in difficult times. And through our commitment to Christ, in this area especially, we can truly be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your love to us. We thank you for Christ's death on the cross, that you were willing to send him and he was willing to come. And we pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us and all your children to stay away from this deadly sin this destructive sin. And Father, help us to always have that cautious attitude even though our, our culture is just going the opposite direction. And let us live as clean children of yours in the midst of this culture that, that encourages us to move toward the wrong. Help us to be salt and light. That's what we're meant to be and help us to help others stay true to you ourselves and help others go in that same direction. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.